Hello, welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me at live2110.com and on my new website, mineralpower.com. Just launch this new site so that you can learn more about my healing and detox program. You can find this video podcast on my YouTube channel at Wendy Live to 110, um, and the corresponding uh, blog posts will contain the video as well if you prefer to watch rather than just listen. Today, I have Jen Springer on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about thyroid health and uh, some of the problems that people can encounter um, when they have thyroid disease, what kind of supplements they should or shouldn't take, a lot of controversies surrounding the thyroid. I do a lot of shows on the thyroid because uh, it's very, I think a lot of people today have low thyroid function for a lot of reasons that we're going to discuss today on the podcast, and you need to have proper thyroid function to have a healthy metabolism uh, for so many uh, reasons in the body that we're going to discuss today. Please keep in mind that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please be advised that anything we suggest today on the podcast, please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything today that we discuss. My, uh, my friend Jen, uh, she has, Jen Springer has been immersed in natural health science, uh, since she was to 2000, since 2001, when her veterinarians invited her to a class about holistic animal care at their home. Uh, she saw profound results with some simple changes in her nutritional care. And from then, she pursued education in body work, nutrition, and herbology. Jen has taught thousands of people over the years on natural health for family wellness, pets, and even gardening. Empowering people with knowledge and tools to take back their health is her mission and her passion. So Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this topic because like you said earlier, it's it's rampant. It's the foundation of health. And if your thyroid is not online, everything is not going to work yes. <laughs> correctly. <laughs> yes. Well, why don't we start? Just tell the listeners a little bit about you and your practice and you know, just what you do and where to find you. Well, I've been doing this since 2001, and I was always interested in natural healing in herbs. I found in, in the bookcase that's here behind me, I, there's a book in there from when I was a kid that was on herbs and spices. And I've always had a uh, an interest in that. But as most people know, it's overwhelming to learn about other stuff than obvious medication. You know, you wonder if the person talking to you is just trying to sell you something. Are the herbs good? It, are the, the nutrients that we need to take? Do we need to take all of them? How many? You know, I mean, there's so many factors and I was afraid to even get into it until my veterinarians asked me over to do a class that they were doing on natural things you could do for horse care. And I've had horses for a very long time and I thought that was cool. So I went and then my eyes were opened. I was able to say, you know, cause I trusted them. I'd known them for years. So I knew they weren't going to lead me down the wrong path. And that's how it all started. And it actually, the first thing I ever saw a huge difference in was a thyroid with my horses. I, I had two at the time and both of them had low thyroid then I used some nutrition, some essential oils, and some supplements. And within 10 weeks, let's just say their thyroids were fully functioning at a normal level. And that's what literally, you know, following those labs, I just went um, down the rabbit hole. And that's how the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and now I've been practicing since then. And uh, even today, I've had a couple clients, and I really love helping people with their nutrition. I still do body work because I love helping people even on that level because I believe the body and the, the, you know, the health of the body is you're able to really facilitate that through body work. And then, um, you know, doing a lot of seminars and classes, I feel like I can reach more people through education versus even one-on-ones, but I still like to keep my, myself sharp by seeing clients just to stay in touch and not just be a theorist, you know, Yeah. but, uh, our website that we're at is livegreen.solutions. Mm-hmm. We're still building it. So if somebody listens to this right away, it doesn't look totally done, but we can be reached through there. And plus I have a little opt-in for people about detoxing their home there. It's kind of cool to get them some information. Okay, great. Yeah. So let's launch into the thyroid. So 
a lot of people, you know, go to their physician, they get their lab work. And can you tell us some of the problems involved in the standard lab ranges and why we probably shouldn't go by those? Uh, it's like <laughs> such a loaded question. First of all, if you can get your doctor to run the correct labs, um, that's the, the biggest feat of all. You know, we uh, typically want, of course, we want to see, uh, they always run TSH, you know, and they, they'll diagnose and treat based off of TSH, which is really not even a thyroid hormone, but uh, it's, a, it's a signaling hormone from the pituitary gland. But we, we look at the TSH as if, you know, is the thyroid uh, not listening? If it's not listening, the TSH is higher. And the more that the thyroid is not listening, the higher the TSH goes because it's thyroid-stimulating hormone. And it's not, um, it's the pituitary giving out the, the orders. But we also want free T4 and free T3. Um, those are really critical because those are the actual available hormones. And then I also like to look at reverse T3 and TPO antibodies. Because, you know, most people, I've, I've seen very few of the lab results that have come back that don't have any antibodies uh, because we'll get into that. That's a whole rabbit hole in itself. But then we also want to look and see and know that the T3 is going down the right channel by looking at the reverse T3. You know, if people are under stress or they have estrogen dominance or, you know, I've had a client recently whose reverse T3 was 85 and their T3 was one. So we knew that it was all being shunted into reverse T3. So I like to look at that as well. So getting those labs are correct, but when you're reading them, um, it's even more, uh, let's say the ranges, the, the, the way I have been taught for the ranges, the, the TSH needs to be one or less according to what I've learned. And that's what I use with my standard of practice. Then we know that the thyroid is listening. Um, the, depending on the person and their, and what's going on with them, typically the T3 and T4, I want to see them in the ranges in the upper two thirds to three quarters of the range. Mm -hmm. Um, I, even if people are their free T3 are at about three or 3.2, they still have some hypothyroid symptoms, but I also want to look and make sure that it's converting. You know, if I have a TSH, which I had one recently, that TSH was, um, 0.98, it was a beautiful number. And the free T4, I don't remember if it was 1.3 or something like that. I don't remember the number, but it looked good. And that's the one where the T3 was one, you know, when the range goes, you know, from two something, you know, all these ranges, like you said, they're all different according to the lab, but that person's was like ridiculously low. And, uh, you want to look and see if they're in the same quadrants within the ranges to know if people are converting, um, their, their hormones properly. And then of course we want antibodies to be about zero <laughs> or, um, yeah. And then the reverse T3, there's actually some mathematical calculations you can do with that to know if their number's correct. So really to talk about it here is a little bit difficult, but there's actually some mathematical formulas you do to make sure that the reverse T3 is not dominating the T3. Mm -hmm. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, when I see clients that have reverse T3 above 10, I know they have a lot of toxins in their body. It's a sign of toxicity as well. Yeah. And I, I'm amazed when I see clients, they give me their medical labs to look over. And I'm amazed that some of them, uh, the doctors have only tested TSH. And it's just insane to me. You know, you need to do a complete thyroid panel, including antibodies. Or you know, doctors will do a good thyroid panel, but usually only reverse, you know, only a, like free T3 and T4, and, but no antibodies. Um, right. Like it's usually incomplete. So you really have to press your doctor to give you a complete picture of thyroid health. And what I do a lot, because sometimes doctors will run only certain labs, and I'm sure you do the same thing. If they can get some of them run, often it's just TSH and T4. Mm -hmm. And then I help them find like an any labs now or, you know, walk-in labs or something like that where they can go get the other labs taken that they need to in order for us to get a big picture of what's happening. Because um, we really can't without knowing those numbers, you know. And like you said, you know, people are diagnosing and prescribing based off of a TSH number, and it's it's just a fraction of the picture. So scary. Yeah, yeah and so um, so you were saying that when uh, even if people's TSH is zero, so they presumably don't have uh, you know 
Hashimoto's or um, autoimmune thyroid disease? Uh, why is it misleading when their their antibodies are only zero? Um, because you were saying when we were talking earlier that you think that most people that have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, you know, part of the issue is that even with any of the labs, we're only catching a small snapshot of time as to what's really going on at that particular moment, at that time of the day, and it's going to vary. So if somebody, you know, I use a symptom uh, questionnaire, it's like a bazillion pages long. I mean, literally, it's like 20 pages long. And I have them go through and and we really look at what's happening because as you know, a lot of the thyroid stuff also looks like adrenal stuff. It also looks like hormone stuff. I mean, it's very confusing. So to, to really pin down um, what's the cause of the dysfunction, you know, is it Hashi's or is it somebody just hypo, you know, and sometimes people are a little bit on the edge or borderline, but you know, there's so many statistics that say that people, you know, they say 90 some percent of people who are hypo actually have Hashi's. So you can have all the strange things happening um, and not actually present with antibody numbers per se. Plus there are other enzymes that the body could be, you know, the body has many enzymatic processes and the TPO um, enzyme is only one of many. And so there could be actually antibodies against other enzymes that are involved with the conjugation of thyroid hormones. So we're really only looking at like one little thing. But if, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it looks like a duck, it's might probably a duck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah. And I probably said that wrong because I always screw up analogies. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I you know what I mean, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Add your own twist to them. Um, so if people have Hashimoto's, um, are they doomed? Um, like, what? what is your take on that? Yes. No. <laughs> well, you know, I'm one of those fortunate people that have dealt with this. And when I first got my labs back, you know, and I... And then being even a health practitioner, um, it was very frustrating because, you know, I knew about hypothyroidism and stuff like that. And um, when I actually got back the labs that had the high reverse T3 and the um, antibodies, I went to look out, you know, and search out the information myself. And there is so much out there that basically says you're gloomed and, you know, you're gloom and doom and you're going to basically just suffer until it's you have enough problems which you're going to deal with hyper and hypo symptoms, you know, from time to time and your life's going to be hell. And then eventually they'll just take out your thyroid gland. And that freaked me out. You know, it totally freaked me out. And then, um, you know, I worked with many practitioners and really nobody had an answer. And I was so frustrated. It, it was creating a lot of issues for me emotionally because thyroid, everybody's talking about the thyroid and Hashi's and how you got to do all these things. And, you know, it's, it is complicated, but it's not. And I'm really fortunate to have found a physician who is a, a special, you know, a specialist in thyroid. And he's so funny because I told him what was going on. I told him my numbers and he said, do this and do that. And in four weeks, you will be fine. And we'll talk about how we cured your Hashimoto's. I'm like, you're so full of crap. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, because <laughs> everybody else makes it this really huge thing. Like you're just going to suffer for endless months and years forever. And you know what? In four weeks to the day I took my labs, my T3 was 3.7. It was beautiful. My TSH was 0.7 something. And my antibodies were in half. And my reverse T3 was significantly reduced, you know, down into normal uh, ranges. And so I was like, all right, I'm totally listening to this guy. Um, and, and that's how it, right, the passion for the thyroid really, that's how it happened for me. And of course, since then, and after I worked through all those issues, you know, all of my clients, except for like one, are all thyroid client, female thyroid clients. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what Sorry. did he do? What did he do to bring your antibodies down so quickly well we use a um a full a whole bovine glandular for the thyroid replacement which is only available through practitioners it's not a um it's not and this is there's a, you know there's a lot of crud out there about this too it's not uh porcine you know it's bovine so it's a cow 
And then it's the whole gland versus isolated. Because I was on a Nature Throid for a couple of years, and I never saw or felt a difference, even though my numbers looked okay. Probably because the Hashis was never addressed. You know, the numbers were never run. And I tried armor, and I couldn't even get off the couch. I don't know what happened with my situation, but it was just terrible. And I had discontinued my thyroid medication because I thought it was creating some issues. And um, when I talked, actually, when I tried to go back on it, um, my adrenals were so shot, I couldn't even take it. Um, it was terrible. And so when I talked to this physician, he said, no, you know, he goes, I've been using this in my practice for many years. And this is what I, you know, work with people. And, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. People say, oh, if you take, you know, glandular, you're going to create antibodies against the glandular and all that. And he, you know, asking him, he's like, it's, that's crap. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, really, that, that's crap. And so that was a piece of it. That was a big piece of it. And then doing the um, magnesium and the selenium was a big part of it. Um, and then of course, iodine, which I did not start right away because I actually had antibodies and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But I also used to bring down the numbers. I did not do iodine during those four, first four weeks because I was so freaked about my thyroid. And, you know, and you read all that stuff about Hashi's people and iodine. And I, I'm like, I'm just going to do this without the iodine. And I used uh, black cumin seed oil and other essential oils over my thyroid gland. And that is what brought down the numbers. Mm, so yeah. I, I directly applied those to my thyroid at, right over, you know, at the base of the neck. And that is what brought down the inflammation because Hashimoto's thyroiditis, for any of you who had your medical terminology, itis means inflamed. And, you know, so when you've got an itis, you know, or you, that's what it is. So there's, there's something that's causing an inflammation in that thyroid. So you got to go after that. And that's what the, the black cumin seed oil and the um, essential oils went and helped normalize that. And that's what brought those numbers way down. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that's an excellent remedy for, uh, for Hashimoto's to put that cumin seed oil, black cumin seed oil on there. Yes. It was, it was so like four weeks. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got my labs and I burst in tears of joy because I was thought I was going to be doomed forever with this yeah. problem. Yeah, was, I find Hashimoto is actually one of the easier problems to resolve. I think people don't realize that it's not this this big uh, problem that, like you said, people make it out to be. It's actually uh, not that difficult to resolve. It's been sensationalized, you know, and there's thyroid summits and all this stuff that's going on out there and they just make it, you know, they've got to sensationalize something. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's happened. And unfortunately, endocrinologists and not all of them, but so many of them have, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and they, their way of fixing it is waiting for it to be attacked to the point where it needs to be removed. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so incredibly sad. I've had so many clients who've had partial thyroidectomies and, you know, or full. And then what do you do? It's like, ah, uh, you know, you get that. It's like, sorry, I wish you found somebody sooner. Yeah. And it's really sad, you know, and, and, um, I'm just glad that there are people like us out here that know, and then people that listen to this that can share this information and help people with their thyroids. Yeah, I know. It makes me so sad when I belong to a bunch of thyroid groups on Facebook and uh, women that have a group, especially graves. The doctor just wants to give yeah. the radiation therapy or remove it. And women are saying, oh, I have my appointment tomorrow to get my thyroid removed. And I'm like, no, stop. No. <laughs> But you know they're going to listen to their doctor and they're going to do it and they'll be on thyroid medication for life and it won't work that well. Um, no. But people, they have to, you know, take that journey. Uh, they're not able to find alternative healing methods because you can heal or improve almost any condition using natural methods. And for people need selenium. I mean, every person I test is selenium deficient, maybe except for one person in Hawaii because um, they have really right. selenium-rich soils. Um, but you need selenium to produce thyroid hormones. So selenium yes. is very important. Yes, um, it's it's and it's so important for glutathione too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just an incredible mineral. And, you know, magnesium, another one. I mean, who has, uh, you know, adequate magnesium levels? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. nobody. <laughs> yeah, no one. Everyone needs magnesium. Yeah, and the selenium I really like uh, that I prefer is life extension S-E-methyl selenocysteine. I think that's the best form out there. 
if you're going to supplement. That's what I personally take. Um, so, so to iodine or not to iodine. Um, I've had lots of people on the podcast, very well known, you know, thyroid experts, um, that talk about studies that show when you take iodine, it increases thyroid antibodies or it can potentially increase thyroid antibodies and make the condition worse. Um, what is your opinion on that? Well, of course it does. The reason why, and not many people talk about the cause here, but the, the gentleman, and some of you have heard of him, his name is Dr. Roby Mitchell. That's who I work with directly. Um, he says that the what's the cause of Hashimoto's in the thyroid is candida. It's fungus overgrowing in the thyroid. Mm-hmm. And w- guess the number one fungus killer, hands down, is iodine. So if you're taking iodine and it's making its way to the thyroid and all of a sudden you're killing the candida, you might have some symptoms of die-off, which could be apparent as a slight hyperthyroid symptom, maybe a little heart palpitation, maybe you'll get a little hot, maybe you'll feel a little racy or something like that. That can happen. You know, that's why if you have Hashis, you must work with a practitioner that can help you with your increasing your iodine. Don't just start loading up iodine. If you're full-blown Hashis, you'll wind up like, woo, <laughs> because yeah. you're, you're, still, you're killing the fungus that's in the thyroid. And so you want to do that slowly if you have been diagnosed with the Hashis. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's the coolest thing. He showed us some research that he did. And he took uh, Petri dishes and he put in uh, candida and was growing candida in all these dishes. And then he took fluconazole and put it in with the candida. And it it kind of took care of it, you know, maybe a third of it, you know, out of the dish. And then he did all other things. But then he did the iodine. And the drop of iodine in the dish with the candida was like an atomic bomb. I mean, it, it killed, even at a super weak concentration, it completely wiped out the candida. So that's why people get some Herxheimer response when they use the iodine and they may appear to have an increase of antibodies or see a little hyper type of symptom. Even myself, you know, when I take iodine, I, I have to take it slow, you know, and, and I, even with my clients, you know, I encourage them, I can't tell them what to do because I'm not a doctor, but I tell them, start slow, do a a dose and then go for a week and see where you are. And then you can increase or stay the same or go backwards. Or if you start seeing all these symptoms of, you know, die off that are too much to handle and that you don't work through, back off. And then there's often cofactors that are missing as well. If they're seeing iodine herxing as well, they're, you know, low in sodium and they're low in magnesium and vitamin C and, you know, things, there's other things that could happen with it. But yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. They could see that response, but if, you know, when you go slow and there's no race to, to, to raise up and load up iodine, you just take your time. And, you know, when you balanced out, you can increase it till your body is able to assimilate that iodine at an appropriate level. And Yeah. Yeah. Are you, is there any type of iodine or form of iodine that you prefer? Well, you know, there's all, I like, I'm never a one, uh, one, uh, I'm trying to be clever here and I'm failing, um, a one trick pony. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like to shake it up a little bit, you know, um, I, you know, everybody's doing the Lugols, you know, the potassium iodide and the iodine. And that's what most people do. But, um, I also rotate in the nascent iodine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if people are cooking and they can put some seaweed in their food, I mean, that's great too as well, but I, I think it's good to rotate things and some people may agree. Some people may disagree. You know, I always do nascent yeah. because my body seems to really love it. Mm-hmm. And then I will bring in and do some Lugals. I prefer, it's my own opinion. I prefer the liquid Lugals. Mm-hmm. I also like to put it on topically because I hate the taste of it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you could put it internally. And the nascent tastes really good, so I do that one internally. But um, I, 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 I put them together because I know that the breasts, you know, need the iodine and the thyroid needs iodine, the ovaries need the iodine. So I like to, to make sure that I'm getting a complete, um, how do I say, uh, you know, in, in all the other elemental forms that the body likes to, 
to to use. Do you do you like recommending uh, kelp supplementation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I like to see just because I don't think the human being was meant to eat one type of thing. Even with foods, you know, my even when I work with people nutritionally. I really want people to eat all sorts of things and rotate all sorts of things into their diet. And, you know, people are, um, you know, all of us need iodine, especially when we live in the middle of the Midwest and we have no seafood anywhere. I mean, like, I, you know, I'm plunked right here in the goiter belt. And, um, yes, absolutely love seeing the kelp um, and other forms of seaweed. I also, like I said, I prefer people get it that way, but people will also do the Lugals, you know, mm-hmm. and I prefer the, the liquid Lugals, which I would spaced out before where I was going with that because it's easier to titrate up. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. people, you can take the 12.5 pills, but that's a lot. I mean, like me, you know, when I had antibody numbers, if I took 12.5, my heart was going crazy with palps. So at least with the Lugals, the liquid, I could do a drop of 2%, which is a weaker percent. So I could go up slower and cause I, I feel, you know, the Hashi's people, I was telling, you know, I was carrying tablets uh, before I was carrying the liquid here in my practice. And I just said, you know, I tell them cut, you know, this pill into thirds. And then I'm like, wait a minute, let's just go with the liquid. Yeah. Yeah. I really <laughs> like detoxidrine by global healing center. It's a nascent iodine. That's really, the one I use. Yeah. I really yeah. like that one. I do too. My body loves that. Mm-hmm. Like loves it. Like I crave that one. And like I said, I'll put some Lugals on my skin, you know, and, and, and it, the nascent is doing its job because when at first the, the Lugals was absorbing really quick. And now when I put Lugals on my skin, it's really not going in very fast. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been using that, that one that you were talking about, the nascent, that brand, and I really like it. Yeah. You know? really do. Yeah, I do too. And you know, it's really interesting you say that there's candida infection in the thyroid. That's what I've always known to be true is people have Hashimoto's. It's an infection the body is trying to attack. Yes. And another really good thing people can do is an infrared sauna. Yes. Um, Infrared saunas heat up the body and kill off various infections in the body. It's also good when you have low thyroid function, you tend to have, you know, if it's hypothyroid, you tend to have lower body temperature. So you tend to harbor more infections in your body because you don't have the body heat to kill them off. So doing an infrared sauna does a lot of different duties, including detoxing metals that might be in your thyroid, like mercury. Yeah. Um, mercury is the number one metal toxin that people harbor. And infrared sauna and other detox methods can really be helpful um, on a number of levels as well. You know, I was going to mention some of the the whole why this becomes such a a vicious cycle with the thyroid and the candida. And you mentioned it. That's why I'm going there. You know, the body temperature with a low functioning thyroid, the body temperature, we start to go, especially women, we start to go into a a lower functioning state of the thyroid starting about age 26, age 27. So gradually we'll start to see a decline over time. So our body temperatures are going to drop, which keeps the critters, as we like to call them, you know, the body temperature being an optimal level was keeping those critters in check. You know, you just kind of cook them, your body would cook them. That's why we get a fever, it cooks the, the, the pathogens. But if our body is not getting up to temperature, it allows candida to overgrow. I mean, candida is always in our body. It's a scavenger. It does a great job of taking care of things in your colon mm-hmm. that are like nasty, you know, so it, it does, it's, it's got its place. But when it gets out of control is when it becomes a big problem. The other problem is that needs to very much be addressed with uh, suboptimal thyroid function is low hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Um, the, and I know you know this, this is totally, you know, talking to what you teach, uh, Wendy, is that if your thyroid's not functioning properly, your thyroid T3 hormone, I've got this huge long like analogy of how I explain it, but T3 hormone is the, the mojo that makes your cells work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's literally the spark plug that makes things happen, you know, with ATP and all that. So if you don't have optimal, quote, energy, I'm not talking about like feeling good and energetic. I mean, like your cells, the little factories can't run in your cells. Hydrochloric acid production takes massive amounts of of ATP to make. And so your body conserves and there's lower levels of HCL in your stomach, which 
most people are not optimal with their HCL in their stomach because, you know, this thyroid thing is rampant. And therefore, the whole cascade of stuff happens. They can't digest their food. So therefore, you don't have amino acids that are available. You don't have, then you get the, the food chunks floating around in their blood, and then they wind up leaky gut and all those allergies. Um, they cannot pull the minerals out of their food. Because you don't have optimal HCL. That's what pulls, you know, chelates the minerals right out. You don't have B vitamins are not being made either because the the pH of the stomach um, is what determines the cascade of what happens in the small intestine and the large intestine. You know, bile being squirted out, pancreatic enzymes being squirted out. I mean, all these things happen based off of this, the correct pH of the stomach. And it just then, it, and also the, the HCL sterilizes your food. So if there's any cooties growing on your food, why do some people get E. coli or some people get, you know, food poisoning and other people don't because mm-hmm. of, you know, it's different people have different HCL levels that sterilize their food or not. Um, and then what keeps candida under control is that other word that everybody is saying now, SIBO, right? Everybody's SIBO. It's another whole thing. It's the HCL in the stomach is not, it, you know, is not high enough to drop the pH low enough in the stomach because when that's correct, the, the pH of the small intestine is correct, which is alkaline, and then the acidic large intestine. So that does not happen unless the pH of the stomach hits that right point and the pancreatic enzymes don't get delivered if the pH doesn't go low enough and, and the gallbladder doesn't work right. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a gallbladder problem. I mean, this is my soapbox. Like, I'm yeah. like, woo! You yeah, know, like, I give everyone hydrochloric acid across the board because if you have I low know. thyroid, low adrenal functioning, you have toxic metals like arsenic and mercury that are proton pump inhibitors. Yeah. You know, everyone needs more HCL because you need that down the line to make your enzymes and bile and all the other digestive totally. you know, substances. Yeah, you got nothing if you don't have HCL. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can take all those expensive supplements in the world and eat organic and all that jazz, but if your HCL isn't there, you can't assimilate anything. Yeah, and you need that until you can heal your adrenals and heal your thyroid and, and detox your body so that there's nothing interfering in hydrochloric acid production. Yes. So it's not forever, just a little while. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, too, because you won't be able to take what you used to take because it'll start making you uncomfortable, which is a good sign that you need to start cutting down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of people with thyroid, uh, you know, good thyroid labs, you know, they go to the doctor, get tested. The doctor's like, oh, nothing wrong with you. Your thyroid right. labs look okay. Why do they still feel hypothyroid and have hypothyroid symptoms? Well, one, there's two things. One is their labs may not be read properly, which I talked about earlier. You know, they're reading off of TSH. And if, you know, somebody could, like they told me mine was fine because my TSH was 3.02. And, you know, now if I had a client that looked came that way, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, we got to work with this. So, A, A, they're not working with it properly, but B, you know, you've got other things that party along with the thyroid. You know, there's the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenals, and thyroid. They're like all friends and they talk to each other and all that jazz. But somebody likes to take over when the adrenal, I mean, the thyroid's not appropriately working because all these reasons we've talked about. So those little adrenal glands are trying so hard to keep up and they're trying to make your metabolism work. So you could be hypothyroid for a year or 10 years or decades, you know, depending on how old you are. So your adrenals are just like smoked mm-hmm. and you can't bring the adrenals back online unless your thyroid is back online. So the number one way, well, the number one of many like A, B, C, D, and E, there's like multiples, but you got to bring that thyroid back or your adrenals will never come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the, you know, the symptoms may be caused by, the um, the thyroid being under functioning for so long that <clears throat> the adrenals need to be addressed. But then there's also other hormones that could create you know things that and symptoms or toxins or or other digestive dysfunction that could also mimic thyroid. But generally, you know, if you get the thyroid online and singing, a lot of that stuff will shake out, and then you know, okay, now I need to address this underlying cause or 
or whatever once we get the thyroid back. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many clients will come to me and they just took their doctor's word for it that their thyroid's fine without getting a copy of their labs yes. and investigating them themselves. You cannot leave it up to doctors. You have to, you know, take your your health into your own hands. You have to take responsibility for your health. Get the get all the copies of all of your lab reports, everything, and investigate it yourself. Do your own homework um, because yes. many times the doctors will not treat until you're so far gone that it may be very difficult for you to come back. I mean, they'll only treat you. Don't, they won't treat you if you have subclinical, like your TSH was three. That's considered subclinical. That's not considered yes. for many doctors worthy of treatment when why not catch it early? Why wait until, you know, you're very, very sick? No. And one thing I do want to talk about also that most people don't realize is that diabetes is directly related to thyroid function. Mm. And, you know, there are two hormones that facilitate in, uh, sugar getting into the cell and uh, very, very, there, there's a huge dependence on cortisol and also on T3 to bring fuel into the cell. And if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, T3, the active form, you your glucose isn't getting into the cell. Therefore, you have high glucose levels in the blood, which we eventually call diabetes, um, which creates insulin resistance and blah, blah, blah. You got that. And then if you're, I was also low cortisol as well as being low thyroid. So, you know, low cortisol, then you get like hypoglycemia and you get all this other weird, like I was eating like a perfect angel. I mean, like you couldn't even have ate any better than I ate. I mean, really. And then I, um, my A1C was still 5.7 which we, you know, according to standard medicine, it's like, okay, you're still okay. But personally, I don't like to see it above five, um, was it 5.5. So I was dancing with some not so good stuff. And then I started doing the thyroid supplementation and that A1C dropped to 5.1 and I didn't change anything in the diet. Yeah. That T3 was allowing that glucose to. I, I felt like I had low blood sugar all the time. I'd eat every three hours. Yeah. If I did not eat every three hours, I was having an, a panic attack because of my blood sugar being low. So I took care of the adrenals along with the thyroid, especially the thyroid. When I first started taking the glandular, um, within an hour, I literally stopped shaking because my blood sugar, um, I was tremoring all the time. And when I took that thyroid, it was like, Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, I give all my clients glandulars, whether it be yep. adrenal or thyroid and adrenal and pituitary, because um, it's, it's so important for the minerals. It's very, very mineral rich. It gives the yeah. thyroid adrenals the food that it needs to heal, regenerate, and function. Like if people have lost tissue, thyroid tissue from Hashimoto's, the body's been attacking it for years, um, the thyroid glandular can help to regenerate the tissue. Yes, it's got that DNA and RNA in there that the body's got a little blueprint plus the amino acids and all that stuff. And it's powerful, you know, and when you take a glandular, you're getting all the thyroid hormones, T1, T2, T3, T4, and plus all that DNA information. It's and, and then, like you said, the minerals and all that other goodness. So I, I'm a huge fan. Okay. Yeah. I love it. You know, even with a client, you know, you get some clients that just start taking too much you know, cause they just do that. And, and the worst thing that I've ever seen happen with somebody that takes too much glandular is that they'll poop more. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah they I, call me and they're like, wow, my balls are really moving. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, um, you might want to back down. <laughs> yeah. And it's stimulating. Like, I was taking too much at one point, getting a little too happy pappy with it. And I was yeah. just really, you know, wired and awake and I had trouble going to sleep. So yeah. you, you know, you got to find that sweet spot and it gives you energy, which is great. A lot people with low thyroid are low energy yeah. so it really kind of gets everything working again it's wonderful and you know for people and i'm sure you get this all the time people often ask well i'm on armor i'm on synthroid i'm on whatever um nature throid what is the equivalent dose you got to work with a practitioner um to know to help you with that that's qualified and you also need to you know talk to your doctor because you just don't stop your medication in order to switch over to a glandular because it's not a good thing. You need to be guided with it. And uh, they work different, but they're, you know, they're very effective, but you need to have guidance with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. You never want to stop your medication without the, you know, guidance of your physician. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, so do you think people can, you know, eventually when they begin healing their thyroid, uh, for some people, can they stop their medication? I've seen that happen. Yes. Um, you know, there's so many reasons. And, you know, like we said, we can't, we don't know how the body is. We're not looking inside the body. We can't see what's exactly happening. But for so many people, you know, their, their issue is the conversion of T4 to T3. And there's, there's a hit, there's a hitch in the giddy up there. So when people are prescribed medications that are T4 only, they don't do well on those. They see all their thyroid symptoms or worse because they, they can't convert. And so getting a professional that can help them with that, that's really an appropriate thing to do. Um, and then when you, you know, the thyroid, just like everything else, I had a really wise teacher one time tell me, he goes, your body never makes a mistake. And so if your you know, thyroid is under functioning, then the body is telling you something is wrong. Um, and then you address the issues that created the hypothyroidism very often, you can bring it back online. Mm -hmm. I also have another theory on that too, is I believe that our culture and our heritage for most people, we're so far away from what we should be eating. But I believe that our ancestors would eat these glands and we would be getting them through our soup stocks, through sweet breads, even though nobody likes to eat those nowadays, you know, and, and we would be getting those whole, those glands in that we are now taking in a freeze dried pill, you know, that we would, we're meant to eat them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I absolutely you know, agree. We, I mean, I think people, you're right. People have been taking them forever. <laughs> yes. Yes. But they just I mean, didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, you know, you think about it. If we were living a couple hundred years ago or even a hundred years ago, a little more now that we're in this age, but, you know, we would be making stocks with that. You yeah. know, we would be making sweetbreads. We would be, you know, eating them in some way and we would be getting that. You know, the reason why I think about this I feel so strongly about it is because of looking at my cats and why are cats developing all these weird diseases when they are living in our homes, even if we're giving them, you know, cooked food, you know, raw foods or whatever. And I believe it's because the, the cats that are out hunting are eating the whole beast, whatever they're eating, a bird or a mouse or a rabbit, they will eat the whole thing. They're getting the bones, the glands, the organs and all that. And they need that in order for their body to function properly. And I'm like, well, that let's same with us. You know, how many times have we made head cheese? Mm -hmm. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, I'll take liver pills, you know, <laughs> I'm all for that. You know, taking those organs and glands and in the ancient times, our um, ancestors, the rich and the elite of the society would eat the organs and the glands and the brain mm -hmm. and the peasants would be given the meat. And so what does that tell you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went to a restaurant the other day. I had some calf brains, uh, it was calf brain ravioli. How was that? <laughs> it was really good. It was really, really good. I do my foie gras pâtés and yeah, you know, I get my, my glands and my organs. <laughs> I like them. A lot of people are like, no, nah, I'll take the liver pills. Thanks. <laughs> Did you um, feel smarter? <laughs> mm, well, you know, I'm always searching for that feeling, but not quite, yeah. not that night. <laughs> no, you know, it, we're so, that's why I feel like if, you know, we can eat as many things as possible, you know, and, and really get back to the way that our ancestors ate before all this happened, you know, the fermenting the foods and stocks and, you know, eating raw when it's appropriate in the season and, you know, all these things, you know, going with the seasons and eating locally, it really makes a difference in our health. Our body was meant to run that way, you know? Yeah. Just huge. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about, I want to talk about calcium. I want to add to this conversation. Yeah. When I do hair mineral analysis and test a lot of people and they have really high calcium levels. If you have high calcium, uh, large amounts outside of the cell membrane, calcium will block receptor sites to allow thyroid hormones and glucose to get into the cells. 
So sometimes when people have certain conditions in the body that uh, cause them to build up a lot of calcium in the tissues, this can inhibit thyroid hormones from getting the cells. And even if they have normal thyroid labs and they still have thyroid symptoms, this is one of the problems that this mineral imbalance that needs to be corrected. Usually it's from magnesium deficiency and adrenal fatigue uh, that causes it. But it's another thing that can inhibit uh, thyroid functioning. Yeah. yeah, that good old magnesium. We just need to bathe in it all the time. Yeah, you can't get enough. <laughs> no, not so, at all. I, I've been using a lot of magnesium citrate, you know, topically. No, no chloride. I'm sorry. Yeah, chloride. And uh, I'm really liking that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Don't spread it on your legs. I had one time, the first time I used it, I spread it all over my legs. Oh, no. Ah, and I started itching, like my whole, all my legs started itching, and it was really, really uncomfortable. And thought maybe you're not supposed to use it that way. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh my gosh, I've uh, I can do it from the knee down to the ankle, and then I also like to get the flakes, the magnesium chloride flakes, and soak before bed. It really helps you relax before yeah. bed. Put a little lavender oil in there and get your cortisol levels back where they need to be. Um, it's really um very, very nice way to end the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, let's talk about graves. Uh, yes. I've talked a lot about, about uh, on this show about hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Uh, what's going on when someone have what's called Graves disease? Well, from what I've had in my experience in my practice and what I've been taught is that it's no different. Um, the body just has responded with the hyper response versus a hypo response. So the same rules apply, except you don't, if you do the selenium, the iodine, um, the magnesium, like the other big mineral, um, and you do your, you know, antifungals. The other huge thing component that we haven't really talked about is my clients, I all have them do an antifungal diet. Mm. Um, it's called the BALI diet, Bali diet, um, which is basic, B for basic, A for um, antioxidant, and also alkaline. L's for um, LI is low insulin. So mm. it's a blood sugar balanced, and the foods are on, that are on that diet are very antifungal. So you know, we do the Bali food diet, we do the HCL, the enzymes, you know, this is the protocol, um, the, the antifungals over the thyroid gland, and then we wait. And what usually happens with a, a Graves person, and I've seen it happen, is they'll go from hyper whoop, down to hypo. Yeah. And then it's time to bring in the glandular and then to, you know, the glandular will help that thyroid repair itself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're that's just the way their body responded to whatever's happening. And then we can, you know, we just hang out with them until they drop and then boom, then they got to bring in the nourishment to help repair. Yeah. So no removing the thyroid. No, no, no. It's Gosh, like, oh, no. There's no medication for it. Just cut it out. Yeah. Don't let's take... just take it out. Let's just kill it. Let's I mean, just, yeah, you know. let's take care of the problem there. I know it's so crazy. And, you know, and, and to have a hyperthyroid storm, whether you're Hashi's or your graves is it's a nightmare and it can be lethal and it's scary. And so have your team of practitioners helping you and then, but it's going to take time to repair the damage, but it can happen pretty darn quick if you are doing your protocol, correct. Yeah. And you're sticking to your protocol. So why do you think thyroid problems are so common today? Oh, you got like three weeks to talk about that answer. <laughs> I mean, not um, to mention the chlorine and fluoride in the water. Yeah, that's a whole soapbox in itself. Mm -hmm. And the, the electromagnetics and all that jazz. Um, I think there's a few things. One is, you know, our mineral deficient soil. You know, the foods that we're eating are so void of, of, of anything substantial. Most people, um, you know, the people that are eating the rich vegetables, often we can't pull out the minerals because of our low HCL in our stomach. So that's a huge piece of it, you know, and I also know that um, I've been taught that, you know, our parents, most of us that are listening, depending on your age, you know, we also, my, both of my parents were exposed to heavy radiation from the atomic bomb testing and the um, nuclear stuff that happened in the 1940s with World War II. 
and my parents were children when that happened. And that radiation doesn't just stay in the area. It goes around the planet. So there's, there's that, mm-hmm. um, like I said, there's the nutri- nutrient deficiencies and also stress, um, will stress on the body will deplete the body of, uh, you know, everything functioning correctly. And then the body will not, uh, there's this interesting thing that the adrenal glands, you know, help the body stay up to par with the stressors that are happening. But over time, your adrenals just give you the big, you know, middle finger and say, I'm going to shut you down whether you like it or not. And this goes into the RT3 thing. And, and your body can, can go into that hypo state, even from adrenal fatigue. I don't like to use the word fatigue, but it's dysfunction Mm -hmm. because we've been living dysfunctionally, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of reasons, but I, I feel like that's a big one. And the, the number one thing is the nutrient deficiencies. Really, we're just not eating the, those minerals that you and I have talked about the way we should. We're not getting the amino acids. We're not digesting properly. We're not getting the selenium and the iodine. I mean, we're in the middle, middle Midwest here. Am I going to get iodine unless I'm eating like black walnuts or something like that? And how often do we get those? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it goes back to that. It goes back to nutrition. It always goes back to the fork. Yeah. And, and the chlorine and fluoride, these yes. are substances added to most people's tap water and we are drinking it and we are bathing in it every single day. And these further out of the problem, most people are already iodine deficient. And then yes. this chlorine and fluoride blocks iodine uptake in the thyroid. And yes. it's just, it c- compounds the problem. So you have to drink filtered water. You, yes. And you got to make sure your filter takes out fluoride, which most of them don't. And then I'm going to beat my drum here a minute on um, bromine, which I know you know about bromine yeah. too. And I've got clients who just say this, you know, bromine, people are like, well, I'm going to eat bromine. Well, bromelated flour is one of them. Mm-hmm. And bromine is also in some of people's favorite beverages called Mountain Dew. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. such, a, such a pretty green. And I had a client, mind you, this is a Hashi's client who's had half of her thyroid removed. And so we started doing iodine with her. And then she's texting me because she's having all of these issues of uh, mucus. Mm-hmm. And then she's going on and on. And, you know, before she even told me she had had on rounds of antibiotics. And I said, by the way, is it bright green? And she's like, well, yeah, it's like this funny color green. And it's coming out of her nose and it's come, she's coughing it up. Mm-hmm. I said, just keep doing your iodine, sweetie. <laughs> it was the iodine was displacing the bromine and she was purging it through the mucus oh. out of her sinuses and out of her lungs. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I was like, I almost wanted to ask her for a picture, but that's kind of yeah. gross. <laughs> you know, the wall of fame, I guess. You yeah, yeah, and you had they add bromine to jacuzzis. Some places yeah. don't use chlorine, but they add it to pools and jacuzzis. So. Yes, I yeah. know, and and you know, it's it's all go, you know, it goes into halogen displacement, you know, and the halogens are they're kind of floozies, you know, and uh, if iodine isn't in the receptor other halogens can go in the receptors, you know, and, and fluoride is a big floozy, you know, fluoride likes to disrupt things. And so does um, chlorine and bromine and chlorine. I mean, it's funny that there's been a lot of research that has shown that in women that have breast cancer, they've got high levels of chlorine in their breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Well, why would that be, you know? Well, one of the major areas of the body that has an iodine reserve is the breast tissue. So if a woman is deficient in iodine, guess who displaced it? It was chlorine. Chlorine went into those receptors and that's why it appeared that way. So yeah, so, so good. Yeah. And a great way to detox chlorine and fluoride and bromine is an infrared sauna as well. I I love it. I did infrared the other day. I love infrared saunas. Yeah. Very, very important. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, so let's talk about um, some of the therapies, like some of the, the therapies aren't going well. Um, what else may need support to, uh, you know, help heal your thyroid? Well, the other thing that, um, well, if you're looking at the thyroid and that you're, you're, you're working on that, it doesn't seem to be going quite right. The next thing, there's two things, three things I look at after that. You know, there's, there's so many. We got to be good detectives as practitioners to help people find their way. But adrenal dysfunction is the first one. 
if somebody's adrenals are have been toasted for too long, they the, the adrenal just needs some help and some support. In order for T3 to go into the cell, you also need cortisol. And if somebody is you know having cortisol that is too low, the T3 can't be used. And that's why I've had this happen where I took my my medication and I had extreme hyperthyroid symptoms because the the T3 wasn't getting into the cell and was just floating around the body. Also, if your cortisol is the other way and it's too high, that blocks T3 um, proper conversion. So there's a lot that goes with the adrenals. So the adrenals need to be assisted, you know, as well. And it's usually almost all the time this needs to happen. Um, another thing that can happen and disrupt is um, problems with hormones, um, especially estrogen dominance. Um, estrogen is an antithyroid hormone and progesterone is a prothyroid hormone. So women, you know, men can be in this thing too, but more often than not women, especially women who are perimenopausal or menopausal or most of women who are estrogen dominant, you know, I can just look at somebody and I can tell you exactly what's going on with them these days, which is really scary. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, you can see these women, you're like, okay, I can see where you've got this fat ring around your neck. So your thyroid is something going on there and I'm reading their eyebrows and you know, the whole thing. But the, the estrogen dominance really causes a problem for the thyroid. So, um, you know, if you've got unexplained weight gain and, you know, your thyroid numbers look okay and, you know, you're, you're doing okay, you know, with your diet and all that, have, uh, you know, your hormones looked at, including the metabolites, because sometimes the, the dominance is actually showing in the metabolites. Um, another thing that can happen, too, is the blood sugar. Um, having blood sugar issues can greatly affect the thyroid, and the candida, of course, can affect the thyroid. So those are, like, probably the top four, you know, is the the adrenals, the candida, the blood sugar, and the, the estrogen. And then there's toxicity as well, you know. I always... When I even when I'm working with somebody, I always address toxicities just through their diet. Eat, you know, put, helping them decide what foods to eat so that they're automatically detoxifying. And like mm -hmm. you said, doing some far infrared, making sure they're sweating, getting them moving out of sedentary. You know, uh, you know, they're not sitting on their butt all day, and and finding out what their lifestyle is about. Meditation, breathing. You know, these things that you know, where we've gotten so off track, you know, helping people find their center. And then, and we see what shakes out if we got to dig even deeper. Yeah. And so with the estrogen dominance, uh, I think a lot of women are confused because they go to their doctor or they're perimenopausal, menopausal, and their estrogens are low. So yes. um, can you talk a little bit about that and the issue with xenoestrogens? Yeah. You know, the xenoestrogens or xenos like fake estrogen We've got so many pollutants and toxins from the environment, um, from especially plastics, and those things can uh, mimic estrogen. You know, there are some foods in, in herbs that are phytoestrogenic, but, you know, I, I think in my opinion, I know some doctors that tell clients or their patients, no estrogenic foods, you know. But no they're weak. Flat. They're weak. Huh? They're weak estrogenic foods. Yes, they're very yeah. weak. And a lot of them, you know, women can be estrogen dominant and estrogen deficient at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they can be dealing with the xenoestrogens, which are stored in the fat, you know, and in, in when you start sauna or you start to do weight loss, you start to get a release of those things and mm -hmm. um, you can detoxify those out your liver. The liver dysfunction is a huge piece of this. When the liver is not functioning properly, um, guess who conjugates the estrogens? Well, it's the liver um, and also the, the good bacteria that are in the liver as well and in the in digestive tract help to facilitate the estrogen conjugation. There's many forms of estrogen in the body. And so, you know, to go from the weaker like estriol to estradiol and doing all these conversions, the body just it needs to be, you know, harmonized and doing its thing. But I've also found that, um, you know, looking at hormones, if they are presenting, because part of my questionnaire shows, you know, ask them about estrogen dominance and estrogen um, deficiency. And if they're showing both, then we can look at, you know, is it like estradiol is really high and there's no estriol, or we could look at, you know, the meta metabolites, 
you know, the two alpha hydroxy and the 16 alpha hydroxy, um, estrogens metabolites. And sometimes those are really high, you know, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a game and you gotta, um, do a little bit of homework in order to, to find out what's really happening. And unfortunately, even every day of the month is different for a woman as well. Trying to figure out, is she actually her rhythm off? You know, where's progesterone in the, in the whole scheme of things. So there's a lot with hormones. <laughs> oh yeah. It's very, very complicated. <laughs> so, us women are very, very complicated beings. I'm going through that myself. I'm like, WTF, man. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> where, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't realize my entire life that I've had thyroid and hormone issues. And I never thought of, you know, I thought if it was bad that my doctors would have addressed it. And now I'm in full force perimenopause, like hardcore, um, beyond hardcore. I, I'm thinking for, 35 years, why didn't anybody do anything about this? You know, this goes back to what you and I talked about with lab work and just treating symptoms and stuff. And what if I had had this corrected when I was in my early teens, when I first started menstruating, you know, it's, it's beyond me, you know, and that's why I'm sure for you, you know, we, I love to help people, you know, get this back. I didn't start getting a normal period until I was in my early Mm thirties, you know, just by, detoxifying and eating good foods and, and changing my lifestyle, I was able to get my, my cycle every month versus once a year. Yeah. So yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It takes time. It takes time to heal the, the thyroid adrenals detox and change your diet. You know, Roma's not built in a day. It takes time no. to turn that ship around. So no. no, we're not proposing any miracles over here. Just takes time to figure out what's going on through, you know, various tests. And then there's a lot of work on the part of the patient or the client. Um, cause yes. most of the work is on them. They have to do the dirty work and it's not popping a pill, which is what the doctor usually offers. No. And it's really, um, you know, even if like you're taking thyroid, you know, sometimes you might feel whether you're you know, you're on a nutrition program. Okay. You guys, you work with Wendy or you work with me or whoever you're working with and we help you decide what foods to eat and, and how to supplement your diet and you don't feel great in a month. Well, you know, even when you bring your, your body back online, you're, you're, you're working with healing decades of things that are going on and you've got to stick with it. And even with the thyroid, okay, you start, you might start feeling good, in, in a couple of weeks, but then, you know, for all the metabolic changes that have to happen at the deepest levels of your body, even like what we talked quite a bit about, even detoxifying, you know, your body has a lot of stops in place in order to detoxify. But if you don't have enough ATP to do it, you're not digesting your food and you're not detoxifying anything. And then you wonder why you're fat and bloated and, and you feel like a big pile of junk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> been there, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that takes time. That's like you saying that over and over and over. And sometimes people feel worse when they start in the healing program. Oh, yeah. they think, oh, you made me feel worse, and they they want to find the next practitioner that's going to give them that magic bullet and make them feel better. Usually, people do have to feel worse before they get better. But once you start mineralizing your body, people's energy levels begin going up. You get them sleeping better, their energies level, and they slowly start improving in increments. But it's kind of like the stock market kind of goes up and then down, and then it goes up yeah. a little bit and down. But over time, you feel better. I think it's interesting, you know, that really put that whole mineral thing in place for me in perspective is that. You know, our body works off of little um, enzymatic processes. You know, nothing happens when your body does anything. Your body makes enzymes and, and makes your chemist in your body will convert things to make stuff for your body to use or your body, you know, to take stuff out of your body that shouldn't be there. And all of those enzymes that make everything work mm-hmm. are all dependent off of minerals and B vitamins. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have minerals, like, you know, you know, Wendy and and what you do with what you specialize in, if you don't have minerals, you do nothing. Yeah, exactly. You can't copy your DNA properly. You can't, you can't do anything. You can't shunt nutrients into your mitochondria to make energy. I mean, it's just not going to happen. 
nothing. Nothing happens without those. And so popping a B vitamin and drinking some coffee in the morning, it may give you a temporary fooling that something's happening, but, and it, and it you know, and everything goes deeper over time. You know, how, you can see some surface improvements, but to get to the deepest parts of your being, the deepest tissues of your body, it takes time. And so you've got to stay, you know, you got to just stick on your regimen and it's not, a special diet. It's a, it's a new lifestyle, you know, and, and if you want to live vibrantly and have beautiful skin and look trim and whatever trim means to you and have the energy to do those things, it's a lifestyle. It's not a fix. It's not a temporary thing. Yeah. yeah. And you have to take supplements for life. Yes. You have to take them forever. People ask me, how long do I have to take all these pills? Like forever. They're, they're not in the soil. You know, yeah. they're just not missing in the soil, even if you eat organic. The only people that are doing good, they grow their own vegetables. They're master gardeners. They're remineralizing the soil. They're using yeah. cow poop and all kinds of other wonderful things to give lots of nutrients to their food. That's my uncle. My uncle's doing that in Texas. Cool. Um, but most people aren't. He's been gardening massive, massive garden, and he's been doing it for 30 years. But that's not most people. No, it's not. And, you know, there's, um, there are just things you need to take. That's period. End of story, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that's part of your budget. It's part of your health program, I guess, to, for you to create for yourself, everybody listening is to make sure that you set aside, you know, what, you know, a budget to take care of yourself, just as if you need water and sleep to, in order to, to keep that nourishment in your body. So you don't wind up with some majorly awful thing, you know, dis-ease when you get older and that you live, they say that people that eat well, um, and they do their supplements and they exercise their terminal decline, as we like to call it, you know, their, their, their ending of life, that, terminal decline is much shorter for people that are healthier because they just kind of go along and poof, they're gone one day yeah. versus somebody, you know what I mean? Just like how we all want to go, right? Your terminal decline is short. Yeah. And then for those people that eat, eat junk and have bad attitudes and don't rest and they're stressed out and you know, whatever's going on with them, eat, drink, smoke and whatever they're doing, they, they seem to go on and be ill for decades before they die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see that. That's what we're seeing today. People yeah. just have this steady 10-year decline or longer, and it's miserable. Absolutely. True. Totally preventable for most people. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, we've gone well over. It's such a engaging conversation, and I know it's so educational for so many women and men out there trying to heal their thyroid and heal their health issues. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you so much for having me here. And I hope that all of you took great notes and you can listen again if you need to take more notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, I am all over the place. Um, you can find me probably the best place is our new website. Like I said, if you're coming on shortly, it's not fully done, but it's livegreen.solutions. Mm -hmm. And you can see the stuff there and you can get a, I've got a, um, I think it's 10 ways to detox your home and your body right now is you can get that there. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on YouTube, uh, Jen Springer channel. You can find me there. I'm all over. If you search me, I'm all over the place, but those are probably the two best places to find me. Okay, great. Well, listeners, tune in. Go check Jen out, her website, her YouTube channel. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to live210.com and go to mineralpower.com. It's a newly launched website to help you get your life back. So you can remineralize your body, detox your body, and get, you know, get the energy and the mental clarity that you deserve. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.